Hi, I'm Debbie Travis. And I'm Tommy Smythe. And this is Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. Hi, Tommy. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Debbie? Um, I'm okay. I'm a little frustrated. Uh-oh. I am getting about 50 messages a day, a day, from people asking me to hold weddings at my property in Italy. And I know, because I know you, that you are very reticent to do so. No, reticent isn't the right word. I will never, ever hold a wedding again because I've done both my kids and I've still got the scars. It's very stressful. But whether you're a mother working with your kid on their wedding or you're getting married yourself or you're an older person getting married, this is wedding season. Yes. Or you're going to a wedding. Actually, I'm starting to go to more because when you're young, you go to a lot because all your friends are getting married. And then as you get older and having kids and things like that, you know, all your friends aren't getting married. They're getting divorced. (laughs) And then your kids are all getting married. And, you know, we're very friendly with our kids and our kids' friends. So we're getting invited, thankfully, to a lot of their weddings. But, you know, I started to kind of, you know, it's like, what is going on? What is going on with all these people requesting it? And I just very quickly write back, sorry, no, no, no. Um, (laughs) But then you start looking into the drama of weddings. And I've been to quite a few already this summer. Yeah, you have. There's the kind of the protocol... And then there's the fashion of how weddings are changing. And all I see is money. And I'm like, why don't they just bugger off to go with your best friend and go somewhere else? You know, I mean, the money they're spending on, you know. And I look at my wedding pictures and I think, I barely know anybody who's in those pictures, you know. Yeah. I mean, it can be extraordinarily expensive. It doesn't have to be, but it can be. And as a person who is a well-known former host of a wedding venues show on television, show called Where To I Do, which I did for three very successful seasons. I can tell you from um, an inside point of view that weddings are very diverse. They can be almost any price point. You mentioned at the beginning of this chat that we are in wedding season, but traditional wedding season from kind of like April through to September has now expanded to every season is wedding season. We featured weddings and venues on tops of mountains in the winter with snow falling. And we were in tropical climates on beaches and in places like New Orleans in the summer. It really doesn't matter what time of year it is, people are tying the knot. And especially post-pandemic, for people who have waited, the wedding industry has exploded. It's so funny because when you say like, I will never have a wedding here at Villa Raniella, I always think to myself, well, she's saying goodbye to a lot of money because people do pay huge money. I don't care. Here's the thing that I've told you before, and I'll tell you again because it's timely with this conversation. The best wedding venues are wedding venues that have accommodations on the property. Those are the most desirable. Yeah, so they can drink more. Well, the wedding party doesn't want to have to leave and go offsite and then come back again. So if you have a resort or a place that has some accommodations, even just enough for the wedding party itself, Mm. you are banking money, honey. So when you did your show, did that took you all the way through the process of the wedding? Were you dealing with the bride and groom and then the the hysterical mother-in-law? I'm talking about myself. We did get some insight into that. Where to I do was actually specifically about wedding venues, which is why I was tapped to be the host because it capitalized on my knowledge of space planning and spaces and decor. So we would always show a vision for what I thought the wedding could look like in three different venues. And then the couple would choose one. 
And, you know, it was usually sort of the wedding ended up following along the lines of what we suggested was possible to do within that venue. So we did have interactions with couples and families of couples. And, you know, it was a joy to do the show because you're working with people at the happiest moment of their lives. You know, mostly young people who are embarking on an adventure together and starting that journey as a, with a commitment. Now, tell me, did they all go through or did any of them have fistfights and say, I'm not marrying you? They all happened. We didn't have a single cancellation. That's a great question. And it would would have been disastrous for our television production. As a TV producer, you know. (laughs) Well, it would have been great television, you know. I mean, if you invest all this money in shooting a show and then the bride or the groom take a runner, (laughs) you're left with no show. So we didn't have that happen. A few weeks ago, I went to... uh, my great friend, Jackie, who's our podcast nutritional therapist, um, her youngest son got married, who I've known since kind of the day he was born and adore him. And um, I saw the pictures. It was so beautiful. And, you know, the, the scary thing, including us here, is weather. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people just say, forget it, we'll do it inside. But you still even, you know, you're having to get from the ceremony to the drinks outside, you know, and, and of course... It doesn't really matter in the end. That's what most people say if it rains. But if this wedding of her son had had poured with rain, it would have been impossible. And the Saturday after, it was mm-hmm. torrential, right in the middle of the fields. You couldn't get a tractor up there. It, you know. Anyway, it was perfect. Yeah. It was absolutely the perfect weather. But what happened was they have um, a golf course um, about a 15, 20 minute walk from their property. So last year when they planned ahead of time, they were telling everybody, you know, book the room there as fast as you can. Well, of course I was late. And then a friend called me in January or February and said, have you booked your room? I said, no, no, I'll do it later. She said, Debbie, there's no rooms left. You've got to book it. I said, you're kidding. Because I didn't want to have to get taxis and, you know, drunk and all that kind of stuff. So I call this big resort, you know, not a very, not a very posh one, just like this huge one, but they had a lot of rooms. And, um, but apparently there was another wedding going on in the golf resort. In the hotel, yeah. So that's why all the rooms were gone. So some were taken from my friend's son's wedding and the rest was taken by the wedding that was going to happen there. So I called the receptionist. <laughs> so I said, um, look, I, I've got a bit of a problem, but I need three rooms and, and I, I, I know you're full. And I was all ready for a fight. I was all ready to think, oh, I have to get the B&B down the road. And, and she said, uh, no, she said, we've got, as many rooms as you want. I said, what? She said, well, we've had a cancellation. I said, ah. well, oh, the other wedding cancelled, she says. <laughs> I'm sure receptionists aren't supposed to chat like this and gossip. <laughs> so she says, uh, yeah, she said it was terrible. Oh. I said, what happened? So this is over the phone. So she says, she says, well, you know, the whole dinner was going to be here. And she says they do a food tasting, which most weddings do that. You meet with the chefs, yes. you meet with the caterers kind of, of course, thing. And, you yes. do, you, and we did it for my kids. Test the menu. And um, they had a fight. During the tasting. The couple fought so badly over the food that was going to be served at the wedding, which the mother-in-law the mother of the bride had chosen all the dishes. So the two mothers, the, oh <laughs> the mother God. of the bride and the mother of the groom, had a fist fight. <gasps> then the son and daughter, the, the bride and groom-to-be, had a massive fight. And it ended oh up with, well, I don't want to marry you anyway, you know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I got my room in the hotel. In the end, that's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Thank God they knew now. 
Exactly. I mean, marrying somebody you don't know very well is never a good idea. So we had a situation here where the first wedding was very, very complicated because my children are extremely selfish and both decided, all of them decided that they would get married within a pandemic, within three months apart in the heat of the Tuscan summer. And um, of course, you know, as a, as a wonderful mother, I was like, of course, of course, I'm so honored you're going to do it here. And then I sobbed for a week into the pillow. I'm just going to interrupt you here and say, as your friend and as a person who was party to the behind the scenes of all of this, you were very excited about these weddings. Oh, you know what? I'm lucky. I adore my new, we call them dillies, my dillies, my daughter. You love your daughters-in-law. They're amazing, amazing women. And they have more class than I do. They're more refined (laughs) than I am. And I don't handle stress terribly well. You know, I'm a screamer and a shouter and and sobbing and stuff. What do you think you're like as a mother-in-law? Easy or difficult? They probably won't be listening to this. Um, They would probably say a handful. (laughs) (laughs) Because my wedding, we didn't have any money. So my wedding was very, very simple. The first wedding here, the first sons was simple because we were in lockdown and they could only have like 29 people. Most of them came from the UK. But then the hard part is, is you know what they do at weddings? They have these A-lists, B-lists and C-lists. So, yes. which I didn't know until a friend of mine's son was getting married in the south of France. And I apparently I was on the D-list. So, you know, the first <laughs> lot can't come. And he called me up and he said, oh, we'd love you to come to so-and-so's wedding. It's in Monte Carlo. And it's us. oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, you're on the D-list, so you can come now. I said, what does that mean? He says, wow. well, about 50 people couldn't come, so now you can come. I was like, well, what did I care? I don't think you're supposed to tell people that. I know, I know, I know. I, know. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's what I said to him. It is actually a thing that is particular to um, destination weddings because with destination weddings, there are always a lot of people who can't manage to get there due to scheduling or financial constraints. Yeah, and a lot of destination weddings now because of that they're having two weddings one at home so I mean oh my god anyway so the first wedding was was small it was under 30 people they all stayed on the property because they had to quarantine so they couldn't go out and nobody comes for a foreign wedding for a day they come for a week for a week we had to kind of organize all the food and all that and that was complicated and I had dreadful wedding planners I mean they were the (laughs) wedding planners who walk around with a clipboard yes very calm looking perfectly Uh dressed, no sweat. And I'm the mother-in-law who looks like I've been dragged through a bush, screaming and shouting at everybody and having a complete meltdown. There's a word for that. That's the monster-in-law. The monster-in-law. Oh, that was me, (laughs) definitely. Um, But the second wedding was much bigger. It was two and a half months later. And that was, uh, they could have more people. So they were kind of nearly at 80. But that wedding ended up on the Marilyn Dennis show because... Um, we had to make the decision, like all weddings, do you have a marquee or not? In the business, in the wedding business, they call that the backup plan. Yeah. So there's usually, if, if it's an alfresco outdoor wedding, there's the ideal plan. And then there's what's the backup plan if weather happens. Right. But you have to decide and you still have to pay part of it. So ours wasn't the kind of the the marquee with the sides on, which I'm not a big fan of because they're always a bit sweaty. This is one that kind of hooked onto the side of the house and then these 
oh my God, you should have seen the guys, stunning naked men from Florence <laughs> pulled and pulled this stretch tent. And it was beautiful. It looked suddenly, like suddenly, suddenly I feel like renting a marquee. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, well, I'll get one when you come. It'll be my birthday present to you. Um, oh, thank you. <laughs> so um, that was where people were going to gather. But then we'd already planned this the ceremony outside, the aperitivo, which is the cocktails and stuff outside. And then the dinner was for 70 or 80 people, of which I'd had to build land out so they could get this table on. And that had taken months with a pounder, you know. Anyway, and put in new lavender, new gar- new grass and all that. And the table, everybody was like virtually ready. Virt- I'd even taken my rollers out and I saw the bride. We had the barn where I'm, this room I'm sitting in now was all um, headdresses, you know, local headdresses doing the hair and I saw the bride running yeah. across. Everything was going beautifully. I was still nervous. And this was the middle of September. The sky could not have been bluer. There wasn't a cloud in it. And suddenly I heard this crack and I thought it was a truck coming down the driveway or something. And I look mm. out and everything went black. So I see waiters with this seven meter long tablecloth, white tablecloth below me. There was no rain in the village across. There was no rain to the left, the right. There was nothing right over (laughs) our house. It was biblical. Two olive trees (laughs) were ripped out of the ground. The the table was gone. The the, the tablecloths were gone. But the amazing thing was, so I picked up my phone sobbing and taped it with dreadful language and just had it hanging out of the window. I remember. Yeah, and it ended up on television because I posted it and then Marilyn said, can we air this? We're doing a show about disastrous weddings. And I don't know. Anyway, so then I see people in bathing suits running across the, the grass and stuff, including the bride. And she'd said to all the guests, go and put your swimming stuff on. We're going to move tables. I mean, I loved her before. After seeing this, I I was like, and I didn't behave with such class, but she was amazing. Her hair was dripping. The makeup was gone. And then, of course, what happened was the meal plan, because, you know, they go through a lot of work to decide who's sitting with who, because, you you know, family politics and all that stuff. Yes, yes. I always tell people, by the way, just to quickly interrupt, put me at the most difficult table. I specialize in this at weddings. I can be at the toughest table with the worst collection of random guests and make it a fun table. That's my specialty. Well, I wish you'd been here, but anyway, they managed (laughs) within 15 minutes to move it all inside our living room, which is, you know, huge. And we we got nearly 80 people in there and the rain stopped. And it was gone. Yeah. So a lot of towels mopping stuff up. People were walking down the driveway. Anyway, it was fantastic. And 90% of it was outside. So in the end, they were all thrilled that it worked out like this. But on my wedding day... Let me say before you wrap up that story, what a sense of adventure that is and of community when everybody just gets together to pivot. Oh, the kids loved it. Yeah, just to make something that's not working work as a group. It must have been such a wonderful and fun and exciting adventure. Well, I think that's often the case with things like that, because that becomes the the talking point for the rest of your lives. You tell your grandchildren, oh my God, God, you should have seen your grandmother. We're just going to take a quick break. Hold tight. We'll be right back. This episode sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Tommy Smythe here. Thank God I have a few minutes to myself without my (laughs) co-host. I mean, you've been there. You've been overwhelmed before too. 
I think most people carry around some kind of stress. And here at the Trust Me Pod, it's, Debbie, did you put your devices on Do Not Disturb? Debbie, do you have your microphone? (laughs) And when we have a guest, I just hope to get in one little question. Listen, sometimes it's hard to keep all your feelings all bottled up because you know what happens when you do. It bubbles over, you lose your cool, and maybe you take it out on someone you love. Obviously, I love Debbie. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. Whether you're in Toronto or Tuscany, BetterHelp will fit your schedule. Get it off your chest. Visit betterhelp.com decorator to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com decorator. A big part of design and decoration for us, and everyone really, is putting your memories on display. When my children went away to camp, it was the first time we'd kind of not been together, and they both wrote me letters, and they were probably eight and nine years old, and they are the funniest letters, and I framed them, put them up on the wall, and I see them every day, and sometimes if I feel a bit down, I just read those letters, mostly asking me for more candy, but I think framing a letter is a wonderful thing. That is why we love the idea of FrameBridge. They honestly make it so easy to get anything framed, and they're really, truly affordable. It's easy to do in person at one of their 20 FrameBridge retail stores, and... It's so easy to order online at FrameBridge.com. You just upload a photo for them to print. Picking the frame was really easy, but also really hard because there were so many options. I went for Walnut, which is a solid Walnut frame, but I think next time I'll go for Florence and they'll mail it to you using their free, secure, prepaid packaging service. FrameBridge has been trusted to frame millions of our memories. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store. You can custom frame just about anything. Again, that's FrameBridge.com. But on my wedding many, many years ago, I had a car crash an hour before I got married. Oh my gosh, I know this story. You have to tell this story. Oh, it's so good. God. So we hadn't known each other very long, like a few weeks. And I was on a country lane and I'd been to visit Canada and driven. And of course, I'd forgotten I was on the other side. And I had my hair in curlers. I looked like Shirley Temple. So just to give some backstory, Debbie and Hans decided almost immediately after meeting each other that they were meant for each other. And how many years now have you been together? 36. 36 years. So there you go. Some people, when you know, you know. Yeah. You know, you know. Well, he, but he, he told me he was really rich. He wasn't, but anyway, so, you know. <laughs> well, he got there eventually. Yeah. So I was at my <laughs> hard work, and we were getting married in what was like a faulty towers type hotel. And I'm coming down this country lane and the local farmer was coming up in his car and I hit him. And I had to climb over the wall into the farm kitchen because I knew the way because I'd had a milk round there when I was 14 or something and they were all eating their lunch and I'm like I'm really sorry but I think I've killed your husband and I'm getting married in an hour and blah 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 and it was like I, I didn't kill him it was perfectly okay but then all the guests were arriving and the police came but they were English bobbies on bicycles <laughs> with, with a little ding 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 crash there's a crash she's getting married and there I was in a, in a white jumpsuit hair in rollers and stuff oh it was it was chaos so we didn't have time to take um whatever happens when you do a crash you know take the notes down to take all the information and the insurance information exactly so the accident report exactly and because i'd been a model there were a lot of models at the wedding so a lot of pretty girls 
And so the police, he was just about to start saying, no, love, you, you're going to have to do this now. Then he saw all these half-naked women and he was like, no, we'll come, we'll come to a hotel, you know. And um, so, of course, they all got drunk. So I had like 10 policemen dancing with the models all night and everything. I don't think they ever took the insurance number. Um, but it was a, a rental car and I wrote it off. So a lot of people worry about, you know, maybe you drop your lipstick on your dress or, or say, well, I wrote a car off. It was it was awful. Hands, obviously, even though you hadn't known each other for very long before you got married, Hands knew what he was getting into. And I also want to add, driving in a car with Debbie Travis is one of the most terrifying experiences no, you will not. ever have. No, it's not. You are such a chaotic driver. It's a miracle you haven't wrecked a hundred cars. Oh, God. Oh. Well, we just did the classic car rally here, and they, they drive, the guy who owns these priceless, beautiful, classic cars actually went to see Hans. And he said, I really don't want to be driving <laughs> as, I, as I write off a 1952 Bugatti. But the thing is, it becomes your, your story. Of course. It's such a good story. It's one of my favorite stories about you and Hans. Yeah. And everybody's got that thing, you know, they fall on the cake. And, you know, but I think one of the things about weddings is if I was working on a wedding now, I would kind of work the alcohol because... Mm -hmm. The thing about weddings is that you spend a lot of time, you know, maybe you're in the church or the synagogue and, you know, and it's hot and you're waiting and then you have to listen to the speeches. And you have to, So by the time the booze comes, you're inhaling it. So I think that's yes. why people get very drunk very quickly. And then when that happens... And of course, if you haven't had the speeches, it's, it's a disaster. But, you know, people by the time you know, you're getting ready for the cake and all that kind of stuff, are legless. And and so it's, it's you know, I would, I think if I was doing a wedding today, I'd dilute the drinks or, or say, orange, orange juice only until. <laughs> I know. And I, I can tell you a similar story. When one of my sisters, Christy, and my brother-in-law, Christian, got married, they were living in New York City at the time, but most of the people that they would invite to their wedding were living in Toronto. So they actually came and had their wedding up here. And they had it at the top of the TD Center in this beautiful uh, restaurant. And when we did the wedding and we got the, the bill for the bar, my mother received the invoice from the bar, which is basically all the drinks that everybody had, an itemized list. Like somebody had 16 fuzzy navels, of all things. <laughs> 16? Completely open bar. It wasn't just like red, white, or beer. It was a fully open bar. And the restaurant owners told us that we broke the record for a bar bill at a wedding, and we were so proud. <laughs> but one of the consequences of this was that their MC became so drunk that he couldn't MC the wedding. And so I was the wedding organizer. I planned the wedding with my sister. I had to MC the wedding and step in for him, oh which was my, my first experience with public speaking and where I fell in love with it. Turns out I was actually very good at it and I loved it. And, and it was the beginning of a later in life, great love of public speaking, because I found that I was able to do it with confidence, even though it was just a, I was shoved right into it. But we were so proud of that bar bill. My goodness, it was huge. You should have framed it for them as a, you know. I think my, I, I bet you my mom still has it. I think she probably still has it. So I went to do a story at the new, I think it was the new Four Seasons in Thailand, in Phuket, a few years ago. And it was the most 
beautiful hotel. Oh my God. And it was obviously going to be a well-known wedding venue. I'll never forget it. I, I wasn't there as a guest or anything, but I was watching them from five o'clock in the morning, <laughs> creating a tunnel of an archway, like, but long, mm -hmm. like maybe eight arches of beautiful flowers. And they were sewing, wow. they were real flowers. And there was all these helpers were, so, there must've been a hundred people sewing this arch of flowers and everything. And How beautiful. By eight o'clock in the morning, this was pretty much up. And then more things were being put on the beach. And I thought, God, this is going to be an amazing wedding. I, you know. So I go into, um, into the breakfast room and I'd met the manager of the hotel the day before. I saw him hitting his head against the wall. And I'm like, what's he doing? And he was pounding his head, you know. And I, I, I can't remember what he was called, Tan or something. I said, Mr. Tan, are you okay? He says, have you seen the weather? Now, it was perfect, just like my son's wedding, absolutely perfect. He said, there's a storm coming and it's going to oh my hit gosh. five minutes before they walked. He said, have you seen the arches? Which they've insisted on. They, they flew people over, like wedding planners and everything. Wow. I think they were Japanese. I said, no, you know, you have to be positive. You must be positive. <laughs> By then he'd kind of had blood coming down his, his forehead. And, <laughs> and we watched it come. And there was not a petal left on the beach. I mean, it was uh, literally lifted up. Heartbreaking. In like a hurricane and, a, you know, just it was oh. ripped to shreds. And it was very unusual at this time of year to have any type of storm. It was like heartbreaking. Yeah, and then and of course there weren't many places inside because it doesn't rain like that that much. But you know, you bless them. I'm sure they're happily married now. But um, I mean, that's why I guess there's so many television shows about the drama of the lead up. You know, there are. And when when I was approached to do Where to I Do the wedding venues show, I was very relieved that the proposal for me to be a host of that show didn't involve the drama and, you know, the negative aspects of wedding planning. Because to me, participating in something that is a joyful event in people's lives was uh, not only a privilege, but I, I considered it a bit of a responsibility to make sure that we told those stories nicely. And I loved doing it. Like I said, you're with people at the happiest times of their lives. And even when there's weather or other factors involved that create these kinds of dramas, they're usually met with some kind of community effort to mitigate the problem. And I love that about weddings because they're supposed to be a community celebration of the commitment to a relationship of two people. And, you know, they can be all different religions, all different kinds of food. It was such a joy for me to explore the different kinds and types of weddings from mm. different cultures as well. Did you do an Iranian one? No, we didn't actually. Well, they do a sword fight. And I have a great friend who is an Iranian architect, which I'll introduce you to one day. And he married a beautiful girl and we were invited to the wedding. And he drank a lot. And the, I could see the mothers getting very worried. First of all, the food is amazing, Iranian food. And yeah. it comes on these platter after platter after platter. Beautiful, theatrical. But the mothers, I could see the, the two mother-in-laws going, ooh, ooh, you know, like this. Because then you have to dance around the bride with this huge saber. You know, this sword, and I thought... Dangerous, I but also off. very theatrical. <laughs> no, it was fine. It was fine. But it was like, you could see people ready, you know, like, should we just take it off him? I love the drama and the theater of those things. Like, I love, you know, the horror at a Jewish wedding with the 
with the chair up in the air with the couple and all the, I love those celebratory elements of different kinds of weddings from different cultures. Well, we did that at Max's wedding. He was on a chair. Oh yeah. I mean, it's my favorite part. Before we wrap up this chat, I want to say the next time we talk about weddings, because I think there should be a part two to this conversation, maybe in season two of Trust Me, I'm a Decorator. I will leave you with this one little tidbit. You know, my favorite wedding that I ever went to had really nothing to do with the wedding at all. It was that I went home for three days with the guitar player at the ceremony (laughs) (laughs) who came up to me at the reception and we had not met yet and sat next to me and said, would you like to get out of here? And I said, yeah, okay. (laughs) Tommy, you slut. True story. Well, we've all slept with people at weddings, you know. I didn't do it on my own wedding, but I'm sure plenty of us. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a bit of a, okay, so. On that note, on that note, we need to wrap this up because this is going nowhere good. (laughs) No tips on this one. So in closing, tell us your summer wedding stories. You can comment on our Instagram account at the Trust Me Pod or even better, send us a voice note and we can play your voice on the show. You can do that by hitting the black button on the right-hand side of our website, thetrustmepod.com. Congratulations to anyone getting hitched this year, and we will talk to you soon. I'm Sarah Burke, and I host the Women in Media podcast, where I'm exploring the challenges women face in the media spotlight and celebrating our triumphs. My guests come from radio, TV, news, and sports, and we'll cover topics like leadership, diversity, stereotypes, and more. Most of all, I'm looking to build a community through a space where we can discuss anything. The Women in Media podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at womeninmedia.ca. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.